Last week, we looked at the fact that persecution is going to come. He warns that persecution will come. And I really believe that we in the American church in this country are really not prepared for the police to come into our door and throw us into jail because we love Jesus. We're just not there. We're not being mentally prepared. When I went through the FBI, and I'm sorry, not the FBI, but when I went through the Marine Corps, they showed us pictures of warfare, real live pictures and video of guys getting blown up, guys losing their limbs. It was real. There was no mistaking that this was a reality for what we had signed up for. Most people come into the Christian life, don't, they don't think, I've signed up to go suffer and be persecuted. Because there's this uh, mixture of messages throughout the world now that, that, that really says, well, if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Is that true? Yes, it is true. But not in the sense that you think okay. Not in the sense of you're going to have your uh, you know, nice home, your family. He may call you to do what he did with Maria and her husband. And, and go to the Honduras. And for a lot of us, we go, oh, that's somebody else's job. And, and I love, Al Mohler said this last week when he was speaking. He said, so often when we read Scripture, that we need to repent because we read it thinking it applies to somebody else. <laughs> and it applies to us. That's, that's one of our big sins is that when we read these principles and texts, we think, oh, this applies to... And we pop somebody's name in there. And it applies to us. And he continues on that. Uh, well, finally, uh, he, he said that we are to be prepared, but we also uh, are to be like our master. To be like our master. We said that last week, and he says, if they did this to the, 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 you know, the master, they're going to do it to you. But if they did it to the teacher, they're going to do it to you. If Jesus is really our master and teacher, you can strap it on that persecution and suffering, rejection is coming. Now, it may look different for every one of us, but we have to have the attitude that Jesus told Peter to have when he said, you don't worry about him, you worry about you. When he goes, well, what about him, Lord? Is he going to die too? Because he told him, Peter, he was going to die. And he said, you just worry about you, Peter. And one of the things that uh, you see in that is it, it may, reminds me of 1 Corinthians 6 and 7 and even Romans 8 that He owns us. He says you were bought. Paul says you were bought with a price. Now when Paul says something, it carries a lot of weight in that regard because Paul is not a guy who stood off in a, in a room just writing sermons and studying the Old Testament Scriptures just so he could go and proclaim. He's a guy who was beaten if you don't believe it, go look at 2 Corinthians 11, what he talked to them about beaten five times, whipped with rods, stoned. All these things he went through, and he's saying, you were bought with a price. So don't live like you own your life. And I think that's another one of our great sins, is we live like we own our lives as believers. And we don't. And so I, I was struck by this. And I want to, as we go into today's passage, you know, we're looking at 26 through 42. And Matthew 10, 26 through 42, you know what it really deals with? The whole message of 26 through 42 can be summed up in one word loyalty. Who am I loyal to? 
I was thinking uh, of the Chinese church. You know, the Chinese church is very persecuted. We don't even hear about a lot of stuff that goes on, but this just happened a little while ago. Chinese police officers demolished one of the country's largest evangelical churches using heavy machinery and dynamite to raise the building where more than 50,000 Christians worshipped every week. 50,000 Christians worshipped in this facility. It was called the Golden Lampstand Church. And it was just two ch- one of two churches that was demolished as part of uh, what the critics describe as a na- national effort to crack down on Christianity in a public way over there. They, they basically have a long-standing fear that Christianity is going to somehow supplant the communist regime. <clears throat> the thing is that Chinese says citizens are free to practice the religion of their choice as long as it goes along with what they think is right. We're, we're not too far removed for something like that happening here. The, the prime minister in Canada said something similar a couple of weeks ago. You're free to have your religious beliefs as long as it doesn't affect the, the freedom of other people to live immoral lives. Not even in the sense that you are physically preventing them from it, but in the sense that you can't say that what they're doing is wrong or we're not going to give you government funds or we're not going to let you be involved in government programs. That's happening in Canada already. And you know what happened just a couple of days ago? A guy in New York had multiple sexual assaults against an eight and nine-year-old girl. Three different ones. And when he went before the judge, you know what he told him? He said, Judge, I'm a nine-year-old boy trapped in an adult body. I'm just a nine-year-old boy. That's, I, 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 that's who I am. That's his defense. And, and why shouldn't the government recognize that if they recognize the fact that a woman is trapped in a man's body? What's the difference? You see, there is no difference. Who decides if you do not have a dividing line? And it's God's dividing line. And we have a choice to make as warriors for Him that are we going to be loyal to Him and His Word? Are we going to cave because of our job? Because of fear of financial ruin? Because of any other kind of persecution that might come against us? So when you think about the fact that all these places where persecution is happening, you know what else is happening? The church is really flourishing. The persecution itself, the blood of the martyrs, is like fertilizer on the soil of the gospel in these places. And so even though it's the, these, they don't have a building, the believers are still there. And when they take down some believers, it's like five more pop up in their place. The question for us is, are we going to be loyal to Him above everything else? That's what this passage is dealing with. So let's read the passage and we're going to come back and we're going to look at basically three <coughs> principles here. Okay, The first uh, verse is... Starting in verse 26. So have no fear of them. And he's talking about the wolves. Have no fear of them, the persecutors. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. 
And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even in the hairs of your head, even the hairs of all your head is, are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledge, acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring, or I come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. <coughs> May God bless his word. He owns us. He owns us. And the first principle is simply this. God demands our loyalty. It's not optional. He purchased us. He bought us. And, and somewhere along the line, we had been given the impression that to follow Him is optional for us if we're in His family. I mean, yes, we have to respond to the call. To the, you know, He chooses us and He calls us. We have to respond. But once we respond, the option is off the table at that point. When His Spirit comes and lives inside of you, you are His. You're His family. He's your Father. He's God. And it, He demands our loyalty. He demands it. And really, there's, there's really four things in this first little section, verses 26 down through 33, that He gives us that shows how our loyalty to Him is demonstrated. Because, you know, you go, well, he's up there. How can I really demonstrate? Well, he shows us here in this passage. He tells them, what I tell you in the dark, go proclaim on the housetops. What you hear whispered, what he's saying is, listen, these things were given to you. And he's talking now here to the disciples, right? Because remember, he had been giving them mostly private instruction at this point, right? He was using parables because the people on the outside, they weren't getting it. They, they didn't have it. So he was instructing them. Remember the disciples? Lord, explain that, what it means. And he explained it to them. He didn't do that with everybody. But he's telling them now, go proclaim on the housetops. When something was important, they would actually stand up on their house and proclaim it for people to know that something's happening that's important. And he's saying that, our loyalty is first of all demonstrated by our witness of the gospel. In Acts 1.8 it says, You will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. 
Matthew 28, 18. Go into all the world, make disciples, <clears throat> teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think of Paul. When, when Paul's in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, woe is me if I do not preach the Gospel. In other words, you know what? If I don't get paid, if, 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 if I'm beaten, it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to keep me from doing that. The apostles, the same thing. When they're persecuted, they are bent on getting that message out. Why? Because they recognize that that shows their loyalty to God and He has commanded them to do that. You know, with our kids, when our kids disobey us, I love you, Dad, but then they go and do exactly opposite of what we ask them to do. Are they loyal to us at that moment? They're not showing loyalty to us. They're showing loyalty to themselves, and we do the same thing with God. Yes, God, I love you, but we don't witness for Him. And we've got a world around us that's dying, and we don't witness a lot of times. When I ask people, and when I teach at seminars about sharing our faith, I ask, why don't we share? You know what the first answer always, without hesitation, comes out? Fear. Yeah. Fear. He says three times in this little section, do not fear. And it's not like it's a, hey guys, you probably shouldn't be afraid. You know, you don't have to worry. It's do not fear. It's imperative. It's do not fear. Fear is always counter of faith. It shows a lack of faith when you fear. And it shows that you depend on your own things. I tell people, listen, God uses me. If He can use me, He can use anybody. And it's not a matter of your skills, your abilities. Why are you afraid? Well, and I ask them, and that's the follow-up question. What are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? Rejection? You want to be rejected by man more than you want to be rejected by God? Fear of failure? Are you saying that God can't work through your instrument? Are you limiting God to what He can do? You see, all of our fear is nothing more uh, than the enemy paralyzing us from doing what God wants us to do. Uh, and I mean, many of you may have heard that acronym, fear is false evidence appearing real. You know, And it's just the enemy trying to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. But it's not just uh, our witness of the Gospel. The other thing that he says in this passage is, as he says that our loyalty is demonstrated by our fear of God overshadowing our fear of man. And he says, don't fear those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Condemn the soul to hell. And what he's saying here is when you really understand that you are God's and that He's all-powerful, He is an all-powerful Father, you don't have to fear what people do to your body being thrown in jail. I think back in the, in the Bible to Daniel chapter 3 when these three brothers, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just because it sounds better, I guess. That's why they kept that name. <laughs> Daniel kept his Hebrew name. I, I've never understood that. You know, Daniel kept his Hebrew name, but these three went to a name, I guess, that just rolls off a little better. Yeah, I, I guess so. But they're there. Nebuchadnezzar says, if you bow down and worship, you'll be spared. 
And they said, let it be known to you, O Nebuchadnezzar, that it doesn't matter what you do to us, we're never going to bow down and worship this idol. That's what they said. And so they get thrown into the fiery pit. When they're thrown in the fiery pit, there's four people in there. It's not just three. It's the Son of God in there with them. You don't, you don't have to go through that stuff alone. But they, even before, they, they said, even if He does not deliver us, their loyalty was to Him. I think of uh, Acts chapter 4, when, um, in Acts 4.19, when the disciples have been brought before the religious leaders. They said, listen, you guys have to stop doing this. And they said, listen, we can't stop doing this. You visit with God. Listen to God, what He says. We, we have to proclaim this. That's what they're saying. Our loyalty is to Him over you. They didn't care. And that's what He's saying. John 12, let me read this real quick in John 12. Jesus is dealing with rejection. He, he does it in John 5, but also in John 12. And he's dealing with rejection. He's done all these miracles. He's done everything. Proved who he is. And the people have rejected him. And he, he basically, we talked about it, it's judicial blindness, but it's instructive to what he, said, what he says. He says in John 12, 37, though he had done many signs before them, they didn't believe in him. And then he, he quotes Isaiah. You know, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, for he said he's blind their eyes. But here's what's instructive down here. Verse 42. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess. So they had what was a limited belief, which is what I think we struggle with a lot. We'll believe to a point. Yeah, we believe when it's convenient. We believe when it doesn't cost us anything because it's a limited belief. The same thing that they believed, but they failed to confess because they feared the Pharisees more than they feared God. Hebrews 10, 28. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I, I guarantee you, if the God of the universe showed up right here, right now, we'd all be on our face wishing that we would have spent the last part of our life doing something completely different than we did if he was here. But it's like, listen, I told I don't know if you remember this, I told this guy that I, I met a few years ago what was going to happen to him. You know, a guy had been stealing, embezzling money, embezzled like $10 million from his company with two other employees, two other people. I sat down in a room with these three people, and I told them, Listen, this guy's giving you a chance to start trying to repay the money back and you can deal with it. And he'll, he, he's not asking for it all up front. He's willing to let it go. All he wants you to do is acknowledge what you've done wrong and agree to try to, to make some kind of recompense with him. And they, they said, we didn't do anything wrong. And I told them, I said, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. Mail fraud conspiracy to commit fraud, five, five years per count, all these things. I told them exactly what was going to happen. They all bolstered up. They all lawyered up. No offense to any attorneys, uh, but it's just they, they, but they, they got their attorneys and they were prideful and they didn't care. 
Very different story when they stood in the courtroom last couple of weeks ago and were sentenced. Mm -hmm. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And, and guys, our fear of God has to overshadow our fear of man. The, the, the third thing he says in here is he says, listen, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. And what he's saying here is our security in his sovereign love and care for us as his people should be one reason we're loyal to him. You know, when I was having some issues with one of my children, I said, listen, you know, they, they, they were giving us a lot of grief. I said, did you ever change my diapers? Did you ever put any food on my table? I said, you know what? We took care of you. We did all these things for you. And, and I think if for no other reason, you don't have to agree with what I'm saying, but, but understand that we love you. The, see that the things that we tell you comes from a heart of love, guys. And God loves us with an unbelievable love. Everybody who is sitting in this room right now, the very fact that you would get up at a 6.30, at 6.30 in the morning on a Wednesday and come to listen to some guy teach from the Word shows His love for you that He's drawing you to want to know this. And if that God loves us and He says He knows the number of hairs on your head, and for some of us, that's less than others. <laughs> But if he knows that, and it says that not a sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing about it and going through his hands, we can trust that if he's telling us we need to be vocal witnesses for him, we don't need to fear the repercussions on the outside. We can trust in his love. We need to be loyal to him. It demands our loyalty. And here's the thing. It says the security we draw not only from knowing that in a theoretical sense, but also in a practical sense that we see in Scripture, in the lives of His saints, starting in the very first book of the Bible, going all the way back to the first guy that He chose, and, and even when He took Isaac up on the hill. That story shows us God's love. What was Isaac thinking as the rope was put around him? As the hand was going up with the knife? He didn't have a clue. And sometimes you're not going to have a clue. But he trusted his father Abraham who said the Lord will provide. He trusted him. And, and I think of, of um, Joseph. When Joseph was in prison and then he attains to the second highest level in all of Egypt, his brothers are there after his father has passed. And they're worried. They're going, oh, now he's going to kill us. And Joseph says, listen, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. There was this trust in the sovereignty of God that overtook even his own desire for vengeance against his brothers, which in that culture he would have had every right to be vengeful to them. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 38, he's thrown down into a pit. He loved Jeremiah. He called Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a spokesman. He was a mouthpiece for God. God actually communicated audibly to him. And yet He allowed him to be thrown in a pit. When we see that, sometimes we're going to be thrown into pits if we are being faithful to be messengers of God. Stephen in the New Testament in Acts chapter 7, Paul, 
in 2 Corinthians 11. You see God's people go through difficult times, but it doesn't diminish His love for them. And the reason they do that is because he, you know, they, they're loyal to Him because they recognize He's sovereign. And even at the end of His life, when Stephen's looking up, you know, God's so gracious. What does He do? He looks up and He sees Jesus. Mm. This past week, a, a dear friend passed away named Ann Shearer. Her husband was an he was a, a trainer, taught me NAB 2-7, which was a discipleship program years ago. And I went out to see her uh, two weeks ago Friday, or a week, two weeks ago from this coming up Friday. She said, Doug, just pray that God would bring me home. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave this body. She's 86 years old. And so she was morphined up. She was kind of in a coma. I went back to see her and spoke to her, and all she was doing was breathing. She, she didn't like awake for like a day and a half, almost two days. And then right before she left, her eyes popped open, and her daughter was there, and she said, Barbara, they're there. And they're coming to get me. And Barbara says, who's there? And, and she just said, you can't see them, but they're there. And she closed her eyes and she went to be with Jesus. Mm. You know, I, I really believe that as a believer, when you reach that point, that, that is a joyful moment. That is not a sad moment. Whether you're being persecuted or whether you've lived a, a fulfilling life, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear people because God's incredible love. We can be secure. But also... He says, by the Holy Spirit. At the end, he says, everyone who acknowledges me before my Father who's in heaven, I will acknowledge. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. Now remember, John Monger quotes this verse a lot. He quotes it a lot. Somebody in this group, not here today, but somebody here asked me years ago, why didn't he just lie and then get out of prison and go do what he was going to do? So I asked John now. I wanted to know what he would say. And John said, how could I deny my Savior and my Lord in front of this jailer and this persecutor? He may never have another opportunity to see a real believer. And he said these words, I couldn't. I could not. You know why he couldn't? Because the Holy Spirit lived inside of him. And the Holy Spirit cannot deny the truth. Now listen, we live in a, 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 a this the spirit we get lives in a frail body. The disciples, they weren't perfect, but what happens is there will be a repentance. If if you have a moment of weakness, remember what Jesus told Peter? Hey Peter, Satan's coming after you. He's going to sift you. But when you have repented and when you've been strengthened, strengthen your brothers. See the difference between Peter and Judas is Peter had a momentary failure. So none of us are going to be perfect. There may be times that you shrink back. But if the Spirit lives inside of you, in John chapter 16, Jesus addressed this. Listen to what it says in John 16. It says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears He will speak, He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and He will declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine, therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will not deny Himself. He won't. 
He will not. The Holy Spirit's role, contrary to what a lot of people believe, is to point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit role. The Holy Spirit's role is to point people to Jesus. So, how in the world could the Holy Spirit not keep you from being a testifier of Him if He was inside of you? If He was living in you? See, the thing that we have that Peter didn't have before the crucifixion, he did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of him. He had Jesus with him. That's why Jesus said, listen, it's better for you that I go. Then I can come and I'm going to be inside of you. And, and, and sometimes we, we think, wow, if we could only have lived back then, if we could have only walked with Jesus, it would have been so much better. They didn't have this, the completed Scriptures. They also did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them until after the crucifixion. That's why I believe He didn't allow any of them to be arrested before that. He protected them. That's why I, I think sometimes He protects us. He knows each one of us. And not everybody's going to experience what a John Monger experienced. John Monger had been a believer for a year. Then he's thrown in jail and beaten. And yet, he still didn't deny. After only a year. If that had happened to me, I'd been like, let me out. Because I was so immature, I, I, and I don't, you know, I don't even know if the Holy Spirit really had enveloped me. It might have been just wooing me. That's a big problem in our country. A lot of people make a profession of faith when they have simply been attracted to Jesus and they haven't embraced Him and invited Him to take ownership of their life and change their heart and allow the Spirit to actually come live in them. Because when the Spirit lives in you, it changes you. Amen. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means the direction of your life is toward loyalty. Three times he says, Do not fear. Do not fear. Romans 8 9. I bought you. I bought you. Romans 8 9. Talking about life in the Spirit. You are not in the flesh. Well, let me go back even to the verse before that. <clears throat> Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I may try, but they can't. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You, you know what? All of my daughters that can communicate effectively, my, my three older ones, uh, they may not like what I do sometimes, but they would all tell you they belong to us. They're, they're ours. They're our family. Do we belong to God? Do we really belong to Him? That's the issue for us guys. You know, I, we're, we're not even going to get through the second third sections. It just ain't going to happen today. Maybe next week we can fill this I mean, because we're, we're at the end of time. But this, this is serious yes. stuff. This is, this is the stuff that we need to be talking about. And, and I don't mean that marriages aren't important and raising children aren't important. But I promise you, if we are following God and doing the things that God wants us to do in relation to Him, you're going to be a better father. You're going to be a better husband. 
We, we spend so much time talking about peripheral, superficial stuff. This is the message that we really need to be hearing. And that this is why the church is impotent right now in our country. We've had no impact on our culture hardly. We've been much more influenced. That's why most of the churches in America, you look like you're going to a rock concert not to go worship the God of all creation. Because we've tailored everything to appeal to entertainment and to us making us feel a certain way. Instead of going in, I still remember Jonathan Edwards, he read his sermons in a monotone voice as to not influence anybody with his personality. I mean, he was one of the greatest preachers of, of all time. He's just a very, very surrendered guy. But he read in a monotone. Now, think about it. If, if, if I just came up here and read everything, my notes, the Scripture, everything in a monotone, half you guys wouldn't show up next week. Just because we've been trained and we've got to allow God to retrain us to see the most important thing is not the, the medium of the message, but the content of the message. That's why when we're listening to other preachers, don't be sucked in to what Paul warned Timothy about, that in the last days, people are going to accumulate for themselves people that will tickle their ear. What that means is, oh, I love the way he communicates. My hope is that whatever I preach, whatever I teach, that when I leave, you think more about Jesus than you think about me. If I've done that, then I've done well. But if you just talk about, boy, that Doug, he's funny, or Doug, boy, he, whatever, then, then you miss the point. And it's like Christian George, who, who's a historian about Spurgeon. He said a lot of people idolize Spurgeon. We should always not look to the preacher, but we look through the preacher to see Christ. And that's what he said. We have to look through whoever the medium is that God uses. And he can use anybody. And we're going to look at that next week because one of the last things he says, and I'm just going to throw that out, is he says, whoever gives a cup of water to what? These little ones. And, and, and it's not children he's talking about. He's talking about immature disciples. People that are young. They don't have the skills. They don't have the ability. And what he's saying is, you know what? It's not our skills or abilities. It's His Spirit taking what we offer Him and using it for His glory. He'll do it. He'll do it. He just wants us to, to be loyal. So my prayer is, Kent, that you'll be more loyal to Jesus than the Marine Corps. And that's hard. Because we've gone through experiences in the Marine Corps and it makes you, you want, have a loyalty. But we should have a loyalty to God that surpasses every other loyalty. And next week, we're going to look at what it cost us. And it, it, it's going to be our family, our freedom, maybe even our life. And are you willing to let Him take you and use you in that way? I still went over and I didn't even do with the first section. So, uh, so thank you guys. Uh, Ronnie, will you close our time in prayer?